Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side. Good job. That was, that was smooth. If it was just a little bit smoother, I could have pulled off like the, uh, you know how on um, The Price is Right, they're like, Roddy, tell them what they want. Hey everybody, let's a little bit of a trip to Greece. Oh. <laughs> and to that I say, let's not get cocky. <laughs> All right, everybody, it is, we are into the Halloween season right now, and this episode we're going to be discussing two films by Christopher Landon. Look, it, it surprises me to know in A, yesterday I discovered how many movies he's been involved in. Two, mm-hmm. they're almost all horror or thrillers. I think they all are, actually. And, th- and three, yeah. he is the son of Michael Landon, who known for his uber-religious stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, it doesn't mean he isn't religious. He just has a different path. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, his stuff is actually, uh, so far that I've seen, is they're, they are goopy at times, but they're mostly wholesome. I mean, he, he has a way of making these crazy ideas. They're not that, like, you know how what I'm saying is, um, oh, it's not like Rob Zombie where it's, like, torture. Yes. just meant to be gruesome and make you sick. He's there to give yes. you a good time. Like, it also, to me, it also, while they're horror and um, goofy at times, like you said, there's also emotional elements and some kind of message. Like, there's growth, you know? Yeah. So there's, they're more complex horror, like, horror films, in my opinion, and I think that's why I like them, because I actually don't, I I, I wouldn't say I really enjoy the horror the horror genre that much. No, I mean, it has to be it has to be more. There has to be more to it for me than yeah, just yeah. splashing. I mean, I mean, I was raised in that era. You know, that weird gap. I was too young for the big horror boom of the eighties. And by the 90s, it was pretty dead except for the revival of Scream, but by then I was in college. So my teenage years were discovering stuff on TV and VHS. And yeah, a lot of it is just, you know, Jason knockoffs. And even the Jason movies themselves are pretty flimsy if you, they're not really about. They're boobs and slashing. Yeah, they're not really about anything. Um, and there's a few, there's a few in there that was a deeper message. Like, uh, oddly the, the remakes of like The Fly the blob and the thing always had like a different metaphor going on you know one was yeah. a metaphor for aids one was a cancer and then the other one is about like government control and stuff like that like oh. science going mm-hmm. too far some of it's just like hey we got a crazy fucker with an axe you know and his yeah. his movies there's nothing new about the concept but his take on the concept is what makes them better because yeah. Uh, his first real breakout movie is Disturbia, which is essentially um, a Rear Window. There's nothing new yes. there. It's just his spin on it. Um, the, the whole Paranormal Activity movies, he, I, I didn't realize he wrote so many of them. Uh, he does a very unique, funny spin on the zombie apocalypse uh, with the Scout's Guide. Uh, Happy Death Day mm-hmm. to You. Happy Death Day to You is a love letter to both schools of slasher film. There is... Yeah. There's the one with the scream motif, 
where it could be anybody. It could be your friend, you know, that kind of thing. And that's the whole mystery. But then there's the, the school of the, oh, we know who the killer is. He's just unstoppable, and he becomes almost the uh, protagonist in a way. You know, like the Michael Myers, the Jason, the Freddy, that kind of thing. So um, his first film that we're discussing is Happy Death Day. And it, it, it is an absolutely perfect boiling down of what works with those genres. And he ditches all the stuff that doesn't. And then he takes another well-known concept, the Groundhog Day concept, which yes. <laughs> isn't it so funny? Like It's been 30 years now, Groundhog Day. Who knew? that this would be a setup, a plot setup for so many movies. Yeah, absolutely. And I you know, and I do really appreciate how while when you describe it in that way, it sounds so simplistic, but it really is about, you know, each individual's person writer, director, whatever, uh, approach, their vision that makes it, you know, uh makes it special or makes it worth watching you know sometimes it really is just like shit they just phoned that in but then there's like this where a tweak a different vision really makes it something special yeah and I, what I, I don't like cynical movie making of any genre well this was popular let's make our own version of this no if you're going to greenlight it, you get people involved who actually love the genre. And that's the big difference. Yeah. Christopher Landon clearly loves this genre, or he would have taken the quickest way out. Yes. And and, and, he's, and he's clearly has no, doesn't have much interest in a, in a way out. Yeah. And because horror, like in sci-fi, those two genres are the easiest to... Um, Make you know like metaphors or symbolism of things that are going on in his world or just the world in general, but you can you can do that in a different way with with horror and sci-fi by making this mean this, you know, instead of slamming you in the face yeah. with it. And yeah. a, a lot of his stuff does have gay themed because that's something he has dealt with in his life. Um, you know, people being homophobic towards him, calling him names, not wanting to give him oh. work. Um, even and looking on his biography, even his own mother, because he came out after his father died. Obviously, he his father died when he was very uh, young. Um, but his yeah. mother even basically rejected him for a while. Oh, yeah, that tough. sucks. Um, I didn't realize that he was also the creator of Dirty Sexy Money, which I remember we watched a, yeah. at least a little while. We watched that. I I watched I've seen every episode of that show and I remember thinking how groundbreaking it was to have like a fairly large supporting role being played by a, a transgender woman and yeah. I thought that was really cool. Well, in that end, one of the main characters is a priest and and he's struggling yes. with like coming out and and how to deal with that in his his line of work, I guess if you want to call it. It uh, actually says that. That he was a consulting producer on that. I don't know that he was the creator. Oh, I'm sorry. It's his writer. But I, I really, apologize. I assume. It doesn't necessarily say, it doesn't give creator credits on IMDb, so maybe. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm no, sure. it's, it's Craig Wright. I don't know who that is, but it's from Berlanti Productions. No, I was wrong. He oh, just, sure, sure, sure. Um, well, Berlanti's a good person to align yourself with most yeah. of the time. But it's amazing how prolific he is. Literally, I think every single year here, he has a movie. It's yeah. insane for like the yeah. last, oh God, 13, 14 years. Um, yeah. 
And I think just now people are starting to know who he is. Did you know that he got hired to direct Scream 7? Yeah. I, I mean, just now, though, I'm looking at his upcoming projects. Yeah, I could have swore somebody else. That, and I was like, cool. Yeah. I thought somebody else was hired to do it. But um, it's kind of strange. Cause I well, that stuff, that stuff changes constantly in Hollywood. So yeah. it might have been someone else. Well, I mean, the guys who got hired to do 5 and 6, they said they had a plan for a trilogy. And I wonder what happened. Uh, I, I have not seen 6 yet. Have you? No, okay, I so haven't. I'm I curious, missed it in the theater. I'm curious <laughs> if the studio decided uh, to move away from whatever idea they had. and, and I don't know. But yeah. I think... The fact that Landon writes and directs his stuff, and it clearly has his voice, and he knows this. If you watch Happy Death Day, you clearly see he can do a Scream movie. Yes, yes, I agree. Yes, and I totally to, see what you mean. Yeah, and to bring new ideas. Here's the interesting thing about Happy Death Day. is Unlike the other movies where they literally are repeating almost the same exact moments, um, mm -hmm. because she changes things based on her knowledge it changes how she gets killed or how other people get hurt or whatever. Yeah. It changes that. Because, like, in, in, in Groundhog Day, yeah, he does segue off. Like, one day, you know, he just see him, like, causing chaos and trying to kill himself, stuff like that. Um, but that doesn't yeah. change the basic story. And what she's doing, and it, it's a detective story um, in two different ways. One, she's trying to find the killer, but two, her path on the way there and how she can change things... Um, for the better, because she's a piece of shit in the beginning of this movie. She is such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and um, Jessica Roth, I've never seen her before, I thought. But something about her seemed familiar. I was like, well, yeah, she's just like, um, oh, dang it. She was uh, Blake Lively. You know, like, she's a funny Blake Lively, and it was bugging me. I was like, no, I do know her from something else. And I didn't realize she starred in the Valley Girl remake. Well, I knew that she started it, but I still haven't watched it. <laughs> it I, I don't know. It just didn't work for me, but um, you can give it a shot. Uh, this I, is, I mean, this is really where I was introduced to her, although I guess I had seen stuff with her before and just didn't realize it. How is she, uh, not, how is she not top of the list? How, after I this performance, she, is she not an A-list, or at least like close to it? I don't know, man. I mean, she's so, like, she does everything in this movie. Yeah. Like, it, horror, comedy, emotion. Like, I don't know. I really don't. I thought that we were past the days of, oh, you were in a horror movie, that's a lesser than. You're not really a good actress because it's, it's the concept, it's the gore that's sold. No. Horror movies can have great performances, and we've been, it's been doing that for decades, and I wish people would move beyond that. Yeah. The, I'm just looking to see, like, have, has she done anything else that I've watched? No. There's a movie from, like, a couple years ago with Harry Doom Jr. called All My Life that that was really good. But other than that, I mean, not, but not stuff that, like, you know, she should be getting more attention. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I have not seen the sequel. Have you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Does it, if, I don't know, about having the, the same kids come back bothers me because this seems like the kind of thing where their story is done. Does she have to go through this hell again? I'm going to watch it, but I'm just a little concerned. I, I saw the reviews were terrible compared to the first one. The box office was half of what it was before. So, I mean, does it bring anything well, new? Does it advance yes. the story? Okay. Yes. Yes. The thing is, 
told you that like it's basically the same movie again that's not true but to explain to you why it's different would kind of ruin the surprise okay so i think that um there was a problem with you know this the sequel and you know i can understand why it wouldn't have made money because people thought you know that it was it, well, the, the way that it's advertised. You know they're probably like, well, this is what's what's new about it, and also the initial like shock value is gone. Because when I first saw the first one, I had no clue what it was about. I had not no clue whatsoever, and so it's like you know that like first time surprise, and then when you watch it again, it's totally it's different because you now you know what to expect. That's kind of what happens with the second one, although they do make changes that make it different, but it's still like, it's still the same format, but then they mix in additional elements that change it. Um, but I really don't want to like give anything away because it is worth watching and it isn't really the same movie because they take a diversion. I can see why it would not have been well received and why it didn't make as much money because on the surface it looks like the same movie. Yeah. Well, I'm but I mean that's the way it used to be too is like, oh, this is sequels were always trying to repeat the same concept over and over and just, you know, diminishing returns each time as long as the budget was low enough. Um they said that they were trying to do a third one. But they weren't sure that it was going to make money. But I mean, come on, a nine million dollar movie makes sixty four million in theaters. It's not even counting like yeah. streaming and and uh, uh, video, like physical video uh, media. That that's yeah. come on, just you can do it. Blumhouse, you're the kings of making stuff for a low budget and uh, making fuck tons of money. Yeah, you know they make a Blumhouse makes a lot of horror stuff. Uh, the actually the majority of it surprises me in a good way this well better than i expect it to be yeah they're kind of like a24 they have very unique interesting ideas they do for a tight sure. budget that's yes. how they survive um the only problem is i think with blumhouse is that they're going for quantity these days over quality yes. and so i agree and they, they make movies without knowing if they can even sell it. They just, like, they have a plan. Like, you know, the way a, a rock band will have, well, we have this formula, this song will sell, or whatever. That's the kind of thing they have. But now they're getting to the point where yeah. I think they have too much. And they're selling stuff yeah. like Amazon, MGM+. Plus. You know, uh, they're not yeah. even putting in theaters anymore. Yeah, now you have a glut. Now it's time to slow your roll. Yeah, or maybe do something more than just horror. Come on, you can do yeah. something good for a lower budget uh, different genre. But it's like, but when, but when you flood the market with your product, everyone gets tired of it, or they take it for granted. Yeah, superheroes. And then they're just like, it's not, <laughs> it's not special. Yeah. There's nothing special about it. So, you know, my thought process about a lot of things, like the things I do, like at work, like I, you know, I do programming and events and stuff. And it's like, I know it's not the same thing as creating a movie, but you have to think about it. Like you need to make it seem like it's very unique. It's very special. Uh, it's, uh, create an urgency that this may never happen again. It may never exist again. That You need to go this time. Don't put it off. Yeah. That makes like, sense. That's what they, that, that's what movies and like, entertainment i think isn't really doing anymore which i think is a mistake 
Like, you need to go see this in the theater. You know, this this is an experience you do not want to miss. I don't know. I'm looking at this. So, uh, I think I told you, sorry, Scott Lobdell wrote this. And I know that name because he was a big part of Marvel yeah. Comics and DC in the yeah. 90s and early 2000s. Um, I believe he is responsible for Generation X, which is the comic that took over for New Mutants. Um, uh-huh. So he he has a voice for oh oh he's also responsible for the very I think the very first superhero to be gay and also like later revealed that he had HIV. Um, it was yeah. very controversial, but he was doing groundbreaking stuff and he had the the guts to do it. And sadly, it seems okay. like he's fucked up a lot lately on social media, saying some real shitty things. Um, uh, I do like to separate the art from the artist. So I mean, he is still a great writer, but apparently he needs to fucking spend some time to himself and think about what he's done <laughs> like a child in trouble yeah i think you know social media has just made everyone like brazen and a little too like um in the moment they don't think things through they don't take yeah like, and i'm guilty sit on this for 24 hours yeah. and see how you feel tomorrow you yeah. know yeah, and I mean, I'm not, I'm a hypocrite if I said that I haven't done it myself. So yeah, just maybe sometime you need to sit back and go, oh yeah, I fucked up, shit, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think I think the movie is really like, it's fast. It's fast paced, it's always interesting. Her performance is phenomenal. Everybody else is pretty good, but it, it she, it's her show. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it was PG-13, but it does veer on the other side of like, some slasher movies where they're going for the blood and guts. I don't really remember any blood and guts. Um, I don't remember it being, you know, a lot of it's like off screen or like, you know, not so in your face, like, like freaky was a little more. Yeah. I was going to say, that's what I was segueing to is freaky. Uh, our other, that one, but it's so comical in how it does it. That I'm not grossed yeah. out. It's like, I mean, come on. He took a tennis racket, smashed it over his knee, and rammed it in both sides of the guy's head. That's creative. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're right. It was this a Happy Death Day is PG-13. Okay. Uh, I mean, part of the, like, it was, you know, there was a lot of language. There is violence, but it's more like, it's definitely less bloody and, like, more off-screen type stuff. Um... Are you ready to move on? We are. I hate that mask, but I also find babies and baby dolls and stuff like that to be horrifying. Yeah, well, like, you remember that? Do you remember that movie Cupid with David Boreanaz where he had that baby face with the blonde hair? <laughs> clearly not. Clearly, it freaks me out so much that I blocked it out of yeah. my memory. So, well, and, and Freaky no. has the same setup. You know, a slasher on the loose. And he's got the yeah. mask. but And it starts off like, I mean, everything is set up for the first 20 minutes is a normal everyday slasher film. And it's got yeah. the protagonist who's a misfit, which is kind of common during a lot of these movies. Like, you know, it's set, I think it started with Laurie Strode in the first Halloween is that she's a misfit. Mm-hmm. You know, she has these friends that egg her on or whatever that she needs to be more loose and stop being so, you know, like, uh, uh, shy and stuff like that. Her character's a little bit like that, except... More and she's also bullied like Carrie. You can see like Christopher Landon is taking elements of everything that he loves when he you know about yeah. teenagers. Um, but then it just fucking just like Happy Death Day where it takes another genre or another genre film. Yep. I mean I should and then smash the body swap. 
Yeah, and smashing them into something else. Another uh, genre that plagued the 80s. It's just like, God, do you remember? Mm-hmm. And it was only like in a two-year period of time, but there was like nine of them. Like every time you turn around, there's another device. I do feel like there was quite a bit of those movies, yes. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I, like, why? I, I realize that there's not, you know, bullies are getting, you know, they're more creative and they're really mean and all this stuff. But it's like, why was she bullied? Yeah, like she was, she's very attractive. She's very like talent. You know, she has a lot of like she's smart. She's got a lot going on. I don't think there's anything overly nerdy about her. I think I it's, it's not that simple, but yeah, I think it's fucking strange. So many movies that we've seen where they lose a parent or something like that, and they're like. They start making fun of him because their dad is dead. Your daddy's dead. He got in a car accident. He, you know, he's a drunk. Whatever, like that. No one in real life fucking people, does that. People are maybe people are really just that depraved and that mean. That's, I don't know. That's psychotic. But she does carry herself really kind of like um, bookworm yeah, in meek, the beginning. Very meek. Yeah, um, and then her the body swap is what changes everything. And I'm telling you, Vince Vaughn. Holy shit. Talk about taking God two, damn, I know. two best elements of, you know, you, you remember because he had that period where he was silly and then he was serious and then silly again, mm. serious. And, and he keeps going back and forth. Whatever gets him the work, like he gets tired of this, it's, it's run its course and he'll go back to the other thing. And this is the perfect harmony of both because he's fucking terrifying when he's the killer, but he is goddamn yes. hilarious as the, as the body swap. Yeah, I, I like, I mean, really, like, I like Catherine Newton, who plays Millie. I've seen her in some other stuff. I had seen her in stuff before this and after this. And, you know, she's good, but it's really him. Yeah. It's really his, his show. The, uh, and he doesn't do it in the hot chick way. You know, he, I mean, really, Ralph, uh, Rob Schneider was really going for big, you know, really cartoonishly. Yeah. You really feel... That Vince Vaughn is giving a performance of someone who really did body swap with a teenage girl. Like, because yes. it's not cartoonish. It's not going for the big laughs. It is funny, though. I think I think a lot yeah. of it is just like the awkwardness, the, 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 the you know, the, the panic of some things that happen. It's it's all reality based, if you want to call it that behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I loved it. And I love that. The, just the care that he takes and, and great filmmaking too I mean he really jumps a notch I think up with style in this one compared to yeah. Happy Death Day oh sure you, you Christopher Landon you yeah 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 absolutely um, again, but like we said they also up the gore factor significantly but in a way that I can handle it mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's, you know, every scene with Alan Rock, I was just like, like, I don't, I'm not used to seeing him play, like, a, a, a shithead person. Yeah. And it was like, he was like, he was like the worst bully. He was her worst bully. For, it didn't seem like there was any reason. It's like, you know, if that happened in a real school, he would have been fired so long ago. You cannot treat people like that. No, no, no. You just yeah. can't do shit like that. <laughs> and, and this movie suffered. So he, des- oh. he deserved his, uh, his, he got his come up. Oh, everybody that gets it in this movie, I think, deserves it t- so much. Yeah. The uh, this movie was unfortunately basically you know during COVID like the peak Fuck. of COVID it yeah. was I think it was September of 2020 and they're like 
I guess we'll try yeah. video on demand. It was a smash on video on demand or whatever, and it did it did ah. dec- it did decent overseas. Where they still hadn't shut down theaters when it came out, but yeah, I mean it's one of these. I think word of mouth. And, and through the years, I think it'll grow. Like, you know that trick-or-treat that went straight to video, like, 2009? Yes. That and now kind of... it has huge following. It has so much, like, there's so much merch now for it. It's really building. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of sad. Like, it's just one of those things, like, just bad timing. Like, I think Love and Monsters is a phenomenal movie that would have cleaned up at the box yes. office. But Paramount yes. didn't, didn't have the patience. And so they just yes. sold it straight to video on demand. It, that's so weird, right? Because I I would think like Amazon or Netflix would have ponied up so big cash to slap their name on this. Yeah, I don't know. Like, so yeah, it's definitely one of those like you know uh, small movies that really should get more get should get more attention. Uh, and you're right, I do think that it will kind of become like a cult classic in time. I mean, it deserves it. My God, like, I don't really, I'm going to be straight with you. Like, I actually really don't care for Vince Vaughn almost ever. No. Oh, God. Just, well, because he I won't just, read a God. I, Go ahead. I just find him just so, he's like sandpaper for me. He. I don't know. At some point, stopped reading a script. Stopped following yeah. it. And a lot of people have complained. Like, yeah. they didn't know that he was just going to fucking wing it because I don't know if he won't read the script or he can't read the script. I don't know what his fucking problem is. His memory sucks. I think that his method is more like he's just one of those people who prefers to, uh, you know, ad-lib and, you know, uh, see where it takes us. Yeah. And some people find that to be very unprofessional. Yeah, it's, it's like fast and loose. And the problem is... And like Will Ferrell, if you do not have the right director harnessing that, then it's just a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. And if he is improving this, holy shit, did Christopher Landon really control him? But I think, you know, his career has been dead for almost a decade now, so I can see maybe he's yeah. behaving himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he has a few gems here and there. Like, personally, I thought... I don't know if you've seen this movie. I think that it is also another movie that deserves more, like, uh, talk than it gets. Like, Fighting With My Family. Have you ever seen that? No, I don't know. Is that the wrestling one? The one with Dwayne Johnson? Yes. Okay, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, it's not. I mean, he really is a very small part of the story. It's really not. The two of them are not the stars by any means. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's just another story that I think really kind of got brushed over at the theaters. But in reality, it's like just such a good movie. So he definitely, in my opinion, you know, has moments where he takes, you know, he's had some smaller roles in classy, you know, good movies. But if he, you know, if he would do that more, like not be willing to like not be a star and to maybe chill a bit i think that he would kind of pick it up again you know yeah yeah. the um there's two parts of the movie that i I thought were really honest in in sticking true to the story and not trying to please the audience in some way um, one is when they switch back. You've spent all this time now with Vince Vaughn being, a, you know, the girl, uh, being the protagonist, the hero, the one you care about. 
Now, I can see like a studio wanting to say, oh, well, we smell this time. Let's, let's, let's soften him a little bit. No, they do not soften. Mm-hmm. They stay true to that when it's, once they switch back. Um, and two, there's a scene where he's in the back of the car talking to the boy. Oh, my God. And they, they found a way to do this scene to, A, not be creepy because he's an old dude. <laughs> Um, and two, not be homophobic and like, oh, dude, yes. I don't want to... Like, they just played it honest as the characters and not, you know, so much as the old guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to do that. It takes a, a masterful filmmaker. I was going to say also, I thought you were going to say the, like, the scene in the dressing room with the... With the oh, mom. yeah, yeah, with his mom. That was really good, too. Holy shit. Yeah. There's a lot, like, that's what I'm saying, like, somehow they really managed to, like, make these films that are a lot more complex than just, like, a horror film. It's, it, there's, 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 there's humor, there's blood and guts, there's, like, yes, like, this is a revenge movie in some ways, but also, like, all this heart, and you, like, get kind of emotional when she's having that moment with her mom, and it's not like it's, like, you know, one of the end scenes that's trying to, like, wrap it up, it's, like, like, not even halfway through the movie, and you're, like, am I gonna cry right now? This is weird. Um, it's almost, it's, it's almost, like, Shaun of the Dead and it's oh absolutely yeah, yeah. to to just like blur the line successfully. You know what I just realized? Now I have to watch his other movies to see if this is a theme through all of them, but he deals a lot with a, a child losing a parent because the same thing in Happy Death yeah. Day. And clearly him losing his father so young and being raised yeah. by a mother, it's this, you know, he's working his shit out in the scripts, which, you know, if you got to yeah. work it out, you do it that way instead of, like, at the bottom of a bottle or something. Yeah. I mean, that's that's cathartic, right? I mean... Yeah. Well, I, I mean, know. the best, you, the best writers and directors... Have you seen South Guy? Oh, sorry. The best writers and directors are usually doing that. Look at Stephen King. Stephen King is always working shit out. Yeah. Well, that, that man's got some... Demons. Yeah. So, what were you gonna say earlier? Oh, I was gonna ask you, have you seen the Scouts Guide to, Zo- to the Zombie Apocalypse? Yeah, I saw it when it first came out. It we we've talked about it because we want to do that with warm bodies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, does it have like similar emotional complexity? Or? I don't remember. I think it's more silly than anything else. But I haven't seen it since it okay. came out. That was like eight years ago, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we should definitely consider it. There's definitely some, like, good people in this cast. And, yeah. Um, you know, I've enjoyed some of the other movies of his I've seen. So, yeah, we should definitely do it. Okay, just curious. Okay. Well, anything else you want to say before we go? Mm, not really. I mean, I, I think it was kind of nice to see... Um, like of course, Vince Vaughn. Congrats, you made a good choice. It was nice to see a more more depth to you, um, but also like uh, Katie Finneran. Like I think that she is more like a character actor, and even though I've seen her in many things, I don't really think that she really has had that much opportunity to shine so much. 
Um, I don't know if she's the one who played the mother. I don't know if you remember, like, you know, she, I think I was introduced to her when she was, like, the, the older sister in, um, um, oh, God. Wonderfalls, right? Wonderfalls. I think the first and, thing we saw her in was an episode of Frasier where she had a really high-pitched, mousy voice and was driving everybody crazy. Uh, yeah, I do see that. I mean, she has tons of credits. And then I, I recently saw her on this TV, this, uh, TV series on Hulu called Up Here, which I don't know if you've heard of. It's, it's pretty recent, and it's like a musical emotional like kind of thing okay. starring of all people um Jean-Claude Van Damme Mae Whitman oh okay who who knew she could sing and then Carlos Valdez I think that's how you say his name who played um on Flash he He's Cisco on Flash. Oh, okay. I was wondering if he was Cisco. I knew, I knew he could sing because they did a musical episode on Flash. Did they? Um, I got to catch up on that show. Yeah, so the, they're the two stars, but Kate, Katie Finneran has a has a pretty big role in that. And it's like, I had no idea. My gosh, what a, you know, what a fun, she's funny, she can sing. And I think that she, in reality, she has like a, a, a theater Broadway background and there's, you know, just there's a lot of depth to the people that you don't always get to see, and I enjoyed the fact that she well, I think got what, a little, you know, a bigger role. I think what Blumhouse, their formula is, you know, their budgets are always really tight for the most part. They're usually under $5 million, and they usually make a deal with a name. Not a big name, but a guy who's always reliable, like Ethan Hawke, is probably the guy that really launched them. Says, hey, we'll pay you this small amount, whatever, but we give you a, a big portion of the box office. Sure. And so they keep their budgets tight, but then, you know, that's doesn't give a whole lot of wiggle room for hiring anybody else. So they can't really go with names, yeah. but they have to go with reliable actors they can get for a good price. Sure. Yeah. This, I think, a, I think it helps. It's a smart approach. Yeah. It's way better than just, Jesus Christ, hey, let's pay, uh, uh, I think it was $50 million they paid uh, Harrison Ford for um, the last Indiana Jones. And I'm like, was he even really there? Did you just get his face as a CGI it onto somebody else? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I can't attest to how much he commits how good it is. I get yeah. nothing. But, I mean, some of these deals are so insane. Like, they're not just yeah. getting a huge paycheck. They're also getting a big chunk of the box office. And then it just, then by the time you're done with all that above-the-line stuff, you've already spent yeah. $70 million. And it's like, well, are you going to get that on the screen? I'd rather it be on the screen with actors that are more affordable. Get a Matt Frewer, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like somebody like that. <laughs> somebody who's... Good yeah. and then, excuse me, and reliable, and also you know he usually shoots his films in Canada, and that usually saves a buck or two. Yeah, I just, but I just like you know we want good acting and good storytelling. Like not everybody needs to see The Rock in every fucking third movie. Like I like The Rock, but it's enough. Yeah. Well, and this is why we don't have any new stars. It's like we refuse to develop anybody new. It's really exhausting. Like, all of our action stars are above 50. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not, 
you know, discriminating people regarding age, but like, please, let's have some more variety. Yeah. All right, that is the end of this episode. You know where to find us. Um, And good night.